Many years ago in Sydney, there was a, uh, a chain store, music chain store that is, um, that used to have these ridiculous sales annually. They've since gone out of business, but once a year they would have these, these days where instruments and accessories could be reduced by anything up to 95%. They printed some of the specials in, uh, in, you know, in street press newspaper and stated that more would be available on the day. So one day I saw that there was a sale coming up in Chatswood at uh, one of their shops and I really didn't want to buy anything for myself at that time, which is quite unbelievable, I know. But I decided to go and see what I could get for a bargain price and then I'd resell it later. A few friends were keen on buying some guitars and the like at these crazy prices. So to make sure we got in, we decided to camp out the front of the shop for the night. We actually agreed to set up camp at around 3pm on Friday afternoon and the sale was due to start at 9am the next day when the shop opened. I actually arrived a little bit earlier than the others, I think I got there around 2.30 and found that someone else was actually ahead of me in the queue. He was number one, I was number two. I can't remember his name now, but he wanted to buy a Gibson Flying V that was marked down by around $2,500. That was a significant saving. As we talked, he assured me this would be his forever guitar. It would be the only thing that he would ever need, or the only guitar he would ever need, and it would do everything he ever wanted. And it would make him a much better player instantly simply by owning it. So after, over all those hours that we sat together, we talked about other things, but he kept coming back to the guitar he was going to buy. I do remember at about 3am the cops came to see what we were up to and if we were homeless people or drunks or something like that. Anyway, uh, and of course by then my other friends had joined us and the conversation kept coming back to this Flying V and how it would be the most amazing instrument ever and would do everything. So finally the moment of truth arrived and there were three of us that were allowed into the shop at one time. So I went in um, with this guy, well he was let in first. And then one of, one of my friends came in with us. They were doing that because the year before, not at this shop, at one of their other stores, a fight had broken out when they just opened the doors and people were pushing to get in. And someone ended up getting thrown through a window and the police had to come and the whole thing was shut down. Um, I guess that's, yeah. Anyway, that's that. Now, just before the shop had closed the night before, we'd gone in to spy out the land, so we knew exactly where we wanted to go when we were allowed in. The guy that we'd met went straight for the Gibson. My friend who was allowed in with me went to grab the acoustic he wanted, and he grabbed some other stuff for our friends who were going to be let in next. And I went to the pedal clearance bin. Ibanez guitar pedals all reduced to $15 each. I took the lot, which I think from memory was 12, and I sold them about a month later. Anyway, that's not the point of the story. A few months later, this guy who bought the Gibson called me to ask for some guitar lessons. We organized a time and to my surprise, when he turned up, he had a strap with him. Now, I'm a massive fan of straps, as you know. I currently own three amazing straps and I still miss the one that was stolen, um, but that's another story. We talked very briefly about the Flying V. He actually hated it. Within two weeks of buying his dream guitar, he sold it and then he went and bought a Strat. Now, to be honest, I too have been obsessed with the idea of something. 
and felt that if I just had whatever it was, I would be a better player, musician or sound engineer. Now I have nothing against owning things we like, nor owning good quality gear. We should spend as much as we like, there's no need to justify it to others. But sometimes we think we need something and we really don't. Or, and I have been guilty of this, I've become obsessed with the idea of uh, a pedal or an amp or whatever. And I become so focused on that, I actually sometimes put off practicing until I actually kind of get that bit of gear in my hands. I've learnt that it is actually better to work with what we have right now and focus on that and not hold off until we get that magic bit of gear that may or may not be all that we think it will be. And just an aside, when you do buy gear, it's a good thing to actually use it as well. I know people who have bought all manner of things and not touched them after opening the package when they get home. To be honest, I've been guilty of that too. Gear acquisition syndrome or gas, it's a real thing people. I can be my own worst enemy at times. Let's just say that I come from a family that was very negative and liked to tell me I would never amount to anything on the guitar. And I've taken that stuff on board way too many times. When I announced that I would be finishing up at uni and not completing my law degree, but instead going to study music, my father had a tantrum. That tantrum in fact lasted for many years. It might still be going on for now, going on now, for all I know. I, uh, sadly, I no longer speak to him for my own well-being. There's many other things involved with that, which we don't need to discuss right now. There have been other people who have been very quick to be dismissive of me as a musician, even if they haven't known me at all or anything about me. I've taken some of those comments on board as well, when I really shouldn't have done so. I had a guitar teacher at one stage who was incredibly negative towards me. My aspirations were quickly dismissed, and I was told not to expect I would get anywhere. I desperately wanted to play the acoustic like Tommy Emmanuel. That particular guitar teacher told me to forget it. Other people I know at the time, or knew at the time, did the same, and sometimes I took all of that on. Negative self-talk can hold us back. And I've been pretty good at that through my life, to be honest, as a musician and in other areas. And just as an aside, the way we approach music is a reflection of, uh, you know, a micro reflection of how we approach life. So the challenges that we have as musicians are often the same challenges we have in other areas of our life. Fix one, you'll probably fix the other. And something I'm getting much better at is not accepting criticism from people who I shouldn't go to advice for. It's hard if they are a guitar teacher or someone like that, but drunken idiots in pubs telling me all sorts of things, I shouldn't be taking any of their, their stuff on board. Or even people I know that don't play music at all, I shouldn't really be listening to them. Anyway, I'm not saying that the guitar came easily to me. I've had to work my backside off. But, but you know, I was told I would never be able to play fingerstyle guitar to any sort of standard. Well, one day I found myself playing in the National Fingerstyle Guitar Championship, which was held in Frankston at the uh, Frankston International Guitar Festival. And I did get asked to open for Tommy Emmanuel as well. I guess those people that put me down were wrong about me. 
If you want to do something, then go and do it. Find a way. It may not be quite what you expected, or even quite you, what you thought you wanted, but you'll find your own thing in doing that. Now, tied in with these feelings of not being good enough has been my fear of making a mistake. Making mistakes in front of others terrifies me. Sometimes to the point of me actually making a mistake because I'm trying so hard not to do so. I've had some epic failures as a musician. Some of them have been really confronting and depressing to deal with at the time. Some of them haven't been my fault. One time a lighting guy knocked some scaffolding off, um, you know, off the truss rods or whatever they're called above my head at a show and I got knocked out cold. The music director actually decided to blame me. I was laying there knocked unconscious with blood pouring out of my head after this steel beam had fallen into it from the lighting guy. Somehow that was my fault that I missed the intro to the next song. I also remember jumping with my back to, I'm sorry, I should just say I was playing on a truck, back of a truck at a show, and I was bouncing around, I was looking at the jumper, jumping up and down, and of course I managed to jump straight off the back of the truck and fall about one and a half metres. That was not good. I've had strings break, you know, first song of the night in a club. I've had times where I've completely forgotten the song I'm about to play, or I've been distracted or, or whatever, and just had a, you know, a brain melt moment, and I've, I've played some terrible things. Has it actually really mattered? No, it hasn't in the long run. When I've been honest with myself, I've actually grown from some of those experiences, both as a musician and as a person. Does anyone really care about the mistakes I've made? Not really. You know, for a lot of the, for, for the most part, 99% of the people haven't re even realised I've made a mistake. Or if they did, they haven't thought anything about it. The ones who have decided to make something of it are normally ego-driven musicians who rubbish everyone else. I use musicians in that context quite lightly. The thing is with most of those people that will say that, and you see them on the internet all the time, is that they never post any videos of their own playing. Nor do they play in public at all. So just forget them. I've talked myself out of things at times by deciding I was not ready for it. Now, sometimes that was probably the right decision at the time, um, or for the offer that was on hand. But the truth is that we'll probably never be ready. Music is a lifelong journey, and we can always improve if we put in the work. Playing live, writing songs, working in the studio are all skills that will, that will improve the more that we actually do the activity. These skills can be tested and refined after we experience using them in a real-life situation. A couple of uh, examples of this sort of thing. Um, one, I held off singing for years because I was terrified by it. I've pushed myself to doing it. Now, I actually hate my voice. Some people really like it. I do solo gigs quite regularly, uh, and I enjoy actually doing them even though I still feel that I'm not ready. I could still be hanging back with that. When I was a music student at uni, I played a gig with a group of men in their 70s and 80s. 
All were incredibly experienced musicians, which you'd expect given their age, with very impressive resumes, who had worked with some of the biggest and best of the Australian music industry. It was a real challenge. I limped off the stage at the end of the night, feeling quite deflated and miserable, convinced that I would never play anywhere again and that I would never be good enough. The band's music director, a lovely man named Eric Bryce, put his arm around me and thanked me for playing, talked to me about all the good things I had done, told me to keep working at it because he had 55 years or more experience on me, and that I shouldn't be beating myself up for playing a number of tunes live I'd never heard before in a style of music, which was all Latin, that I really hadn't played very much of. I still feel this way at times. Sometimes I feel like I'm an imposter, but I've found that I will push myself through it. I grow a little bit more, learn a little bit, bit, bit more about myself and about, uh, about music and the guitar, and I'll be better, and then I'm better prepared to do it next time. And comparing ourselves to others is a two-edged sword. It can be important to do that for our own growth, as we can see areas that we can improve in. But it can also be quite detrimental, and that can very much become an exercise in self-defeat. Now, music is entirely subjective. One of my favourite singers is Bob Dylan. Some people go into conniptions when I say that because they can't stand him. I think he's incredible, or he was. Perhaps now, not so much. Um, at 82, I think he is. His voice has uh, seen better days. But anyway, some of the deliveries of earlier songs, amazing. I guess the lesson here is that you do you. You are going to be the best at being yourself. Find out who you are musically, what excites you musically, what turns you on musically, and pursue that. Yep, it's a great thing to evaluate your ability against good and great players and work out how they did something or why they have achieved what they have. But measure your own level of success by comparing where you used to be to where you are now. And when you get down or have some doubts, it can be good to look back at how we have improved or how you have improved as a musician and grown as a person as well. I was the shy kid who used to get so nervous playing in front of anyone that I'd turn red. Well, I've now played over 3,500 professional gigs on hundreds of professional recording sessions and appeared on national TV and major festival stages around the country, sometimes in front of hundreds of thousands of people. As I said earlier, if you want to do it, find a way.